I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. On DAB, online, on the app and on your smart speaker. Following on, Ashes Inquest on Talk Sport. What a performance. Following on Ashes Inquest on Talksport with me, Steve Harmison, looking back at Tier Four of the second Ashes Test at Lords, with England on the verge of back-to-back defeats and going two-nil down in the series. England needed quick wickets to get back into the game, so they give Australia a taste of their own medicine with some short-pitch bowling. Essentially, Australia going exactly the same way that England did. They've just lost two quick wickets, both victims to the short ball. After losing their two set batsmen, England reduced Australia from 187 for two to 279 all out, setting them a record total of 371 to level the series. England needed another good opening partnership, but Mitchell Stark had other ideas with the new ball. Pitched up, swinging into the right-hander, and Pope's lost his middle stump. Brilliant, brilliant delivery from Stark, who's ripping through England here. They reduced to 13 for two when Ollie Pope left, with Joe Root again left, digging England out of trouble. But just when you thought things couldn't get any worse, they did. That is unplayable. Uh, if you've uh, faced 100 deliveries, Brooke had faced one. Two wickets in and over, and uh, England all over the place now. Heavy defeat looming. Uh, get the tin hats ready. England are surely heading to Leeds on Monday, 2-0 down. And we now have to do something that no team that hasn't featured Sir Don Bradman in it has ever managed in Ashes cricket. And that is to come back to win 3-2. So now what for the England team? Do they have to change how they play? What changes do they need to make? Or do you think they can still win this test match? You can get involved in tonight's show by giving us a call on 03717 or by texting 8 1089. You're listening to Following On Ashes Inquest here on Talksport. So before we get into the show, let's go back to Lords 
watching the closing stages of day four is John Norman. Wow, that was a let off, John. Oh, wasn't it a let off? I mean, I don't know about you, Harvey, but I think England have really got away with one there. Um, yeah. It was a terrible shot late in the day. It was a terrible shot whenever. Uh, with both third and fine leg out uh, to play a flick shot, essentially, to try and ramp the ball uh, up and over, uh, essentially third's head for six, uh, when you're in a kind of game situation that England are in, I think was, um, you know, that would have been a, a, a nadir, another nadir moment. <laughs> but Mitchell Stark, I, I think, is in control of the ball. Um, I think that that is... Look, the laws are, and the umpires will say, that he wasn't in control of his body, essentially. He was still sliding across, along the turf, so the catch hasn't, uh, hasn't stood. But I think that was a huge let-off for England. I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen a catch more comfortably in the hand of a fielder uh, only to see the ball overturned, uh, the, the call overturned. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I, I, it's when... I don't know the laws of the game. This is the thing about the laws of the game changing with the way technology is, the way the sort of video cameras are, and a bit like the Cameron Green one in the World Test Championship. It's like, when do you deem that the ball is under control? For me, the ball was in Mitchell Stark's hands, and he was under control of the ball. He just wasn't in control of his body and his movements. Now, the ball went along the floor, you know, the ball sort of grasped along the turf at the top, but he had his fingers under the ball, he had his fingers wrapped round the ball, to a point where I thought he was in control, a little bit like Cameron Green, a bit like, was it Steve Smith the other day? I think Steve yeah. Smith was the same the other day. So, uh, look, I, England I think, have... Sorry, yeah, go on, go on. No, no, I'm just saying England have, have, have definitely get away with one, but I'm of the opinion, yeah, and maybe it's not a popular one because it's about England, but I think that catch should have stood. I agree. I do, I agree. I think, I always go with the... Um, my thought process with these kind of things is, would the fielder have caught the ball if the ground wasn't there? That's how I always look at it. And Mitchell Stark would have caught the ball if the ground wasn't there. Cameron Green in the World Test Championship final would have caught the ball if the ground wasn't there. Yeah. The Steve Smith one, I think, was more not out than the Mitchell Stark one today. Yeah, but, I agree. I, but I still just about think it was the right call to give it out. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was. I still think that the, 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 there was a more there was more doubt in the Steve Smith one than, than the Mitchell Stark one. I thought he was. But when you look at it, I think we're talking about again. We've talked a lot about it in this series, John. If spots and maybe's, um, yeah, that just that sort of side, it's a sideshow compared to of, of what's been happening today. Because yeah, it's, it's been, been another it's been absolutely, day, hasn't it? It's just been another incredible day of test cricket I'll, I'll be honest with you of the nine days that i've been fortunate enough to be positioned at the ground watching i'd say it's probably the least interesting and the reason for that is short pitch bowling when essentially that's all you're watching for two to three hours which is how we were watching the game when england were bowling is not very interesting <laughs> do you know what i mean it takes away all the nuance of the game it takes out the different modes of dismissal. You can't be LBW, you can't be bold, you can't be caught in the slips, you can't be caught uh, caught at, at mid-off, you can't be caught in the covers. Um, well, no, you can be caught in the covers if you're uh, Harry Brook. But essentially, it's, there's one real mode of dismissal. There's only a couple of shots a batter can play. You know what's coming, so there's no kind of mystery. There's no surprise Yorker, there's no surprise bouncer. It's all bouncers. And essentially, it's just a bit boring. Um, and one yeah. thing that it did 
that did raise was the prospect or the idea that actually maybe we had been a little bit hard on England on day two because the Australian bowlers when faced with, sorry, the Australian batters were faced with the same method of attack that England had faced showed today that actually it's not quite as easy as maybe we suggested to just get out the way of the ball and see it through. Yeah, I, I would I would agree to an extent, but I would also disagree a little bit to say short pitch bowling. It depends who's letting go of the ball. I think three 80 mile an hour bowlers letting go of the ball, bowling short, is completely different to the West Indies in the in the early 80s, or even going back to my time with the bowling attack that I was fortunate to play in. We didn't make that boring, and it was it was eventful for for whatever. You know, our viewing figures were were looking at. So, I think England, I think England have come up against a fantastic bowling attack again. We've seen today, you know, the three wickets that England, the four wickets that England have lost, but three of them. Pope's delivery was an absolute beauty. Brute's delivery was an absolute beauty, and so was was Harry Brook, who was potentially waiting for the short ball. I think it's a different game when Australia have got the ball in their hands, especially when they're bowling aggressively, and they've got that also got that ball that just hits the top of off stump at a at a at a at a good pace. So, you know, you're talking about being boring. It's not boring when Australia have been bowling. So, thanks, John. We'll get back to John after the break, but. Before that, let's hear from the Daily Telegraph's Will McPherson. He's been speaking with Sam Allard and he thinks that England have thrown away good opportunity to level a series here at Lords. England have had every advantage in this game. They won the toss, cloudy conditions, everything looked set up for bowling on day one, everything looked set up for batting on day two. As you mentioned, they collapsed. Uh, then Nathan Lyon got injured just before that collapse and all they needed to do was get some miles into the legs of the Australian quicks and they failed to do that. They just gave their wickets away and now we're in a situation where they're chasing an absolutely huge score. Australia have uh, certainly three of the first four wickets are two unbelievable deliveries, like absolute beauties that would have got most batsmen in the world out. But that's not the point. You've, they shouldn't be chasing this much because they should have scored more runs in the first inning. So it's uh, they're in a real bind. They're, they are... Barring a miracle, they're going 2-0 down in the Ashes. It, it, this would be a, a miracle beyond the Headingley thing of 2019 because uh, then Ben Stokes came in with a platform built by Joe Root and uh, Joe Denley, but he doesn't have that this time because Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark have bowled so well up top. So, um, yeah, they're in, a, they're in a really, really awkward position. Uh, the other problem for them is they've got back-to-back test matches coming up. Uh, they're going, the game starts at Headingley on Thursday. Obviously, they've done their last bowling of the game today, which is a positive for them. Uh, they don't have to bowl again tomorrow. Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, Ollie Robinson, Josh Tung will all get an extra day of rest. Mark Wood will get an extra day to get himself fully fit. And, you know, you're looking at this series and you're thinking, England are 2-0 down and they haven't had, got, got a minute out of Mark Wood. Joffre Archer's injured. Ollie Stone's injured again. You know, it just, everything uh, looks a little bit problematic right now. Only one team's ever come back from 2-0 down in the Ashes. That was Don Bradman's team in 1936-7, before the Second World War. Uh, England don't have Don Bradman. <laughs> it's a long way back from here. And final one, you cover this England team, you're with them all the time. Last year, 99% of the time, it's been all singing, all happy, amazing wins, amazing style of cricket. Assuming England goes 2 down, how do they react? Do they come out and say, we're going to go even harder in the first Test match? Will they look to change the style? Could they maybe, you know, not take some criticism that well and maybe things get a little bit prickly between fans and players, media and players? How do you see the fallout, if any, to this defeat? Yeah, I mean, it is important to forget that this was a fabulous year last year and they did win 11 of 14, their first uh, 13 games, 11 14 currently, it's going to probably be 11 of 15. Uh, 
either tonight or tomorrow. They um, and you know they've been a happy-go-lucky team. They've kind of run their mouth a bit. I would like to see a little bit of humility in the language from them over next week. I don't think we got that last week. I think they spoke too much about the fact that they thought they'd won last week. They played their part in a great game. When you say when you say humility, do you mean do you think at times? Not saying you're saying this, but some people say. They maybe been a bit arrogant over the last year. Is, is that is that is that fair? No, I th- not over the last year necessarily, but maybe over the last uh, month. Uh, I think maybe maybe they believe the hype a little bit in the last month, and I don't take any joy in saying that. But I just yeah, maybe just calm down. They are still in the series. It's two nil, uh, but they do uh, get a result in almost every game. They, well, every game they play so far. Uh, so there is still a chance of three two. They do have some extraordinary cricketers. Uh, they could still win this game, of course, but um, just accept the fact that they are uh, on very thin ice uh, and it might just be time to just play it sensibly uh, with their language, the way they talk this week, turn up quietly, get on with it and go again ahead of yeah, I couldn't agree more with Will Mc- the Telegraph's Will McPherson there. And it'll be interesting to see who England put up for the media tonight because Jeetan Patel was put up last night, an off sp- a spin bowling coach, and England didn't play a spinner. So it'll be interesting to see if a player or a coach comes out to speak to the media tonight. You're listening to Ash, following on Ashes Inquest with me, Steve Harmison, alongside John Norman. And next up, we'll hear whether Andy Jacobs has calmed down yet. I doubt it. You're listening to Talk Sport. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan.
Hitting you for six with top order cricket conversation. Following on Ashes Inquest on Talk Sport. Uh, you're listening to Following on Ashes Inquest. Uh, get in contact with us here on the, the station, 81089 on the text or the calls 03717 at cricket underscore TS uh, is uh, where you can get in contact with us on Twitter if it's working. It seems to be in a, a little bit of a meltdown phase uh, as things stand. We have had a call, though. It's Darren uh, is ringing in to talk to us on the show. What have you got to say, mate? Um, hi, guys. Um, what I've got to say really is um, I think the problem with England is they won all those matches playing bad ball or aggressive cricket and then they, when you look at it, there's only three teams really in Test Match Cricket that take it seriously and it's England, India and Australia and the minute they came up someone that could really do damage to them, they couldn't do it and they did, instead of going back and actually going to the opponent and playing the opponent in front of you, they kept on playing it and it, they got out. Is it not that just that Australia are better than the other teams? I, well, if you go by the first innings, if we had played sensibly, we would have got a higher score. And England threw it away. John, um, have you, you know, look back at this series so far, you're, so you're basically saying that England have had passages of play where they should really be leading this series because you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that England could easily be going to Henley 2-0 up and they're actually going to go 2-0 down by what you're saying, which is smarter cricket. And do you think this yes. team do you think this team has become arrogant over the course of the last year because of the way they've played? Yes. So I think if you look at the way they're at the beginning of the test match, you had Ben Stokes, who's the captain, and he's sitting upstairs and he's just sitting there smiling instead of being by the pitch. To me, it shows you're not respecting your opponent. You basically think you can do what you like. And when they get a bit of criticism, they don't like it. But you, they have not, not one of those players has performed consistently. Uh, there was some criticism that they were respecting them too much. Would you, would you prefer to see them... You know, having a bit of a snarl and a little bit more on-field angst like we saw with uh, the send-off for Kawaja from Ollie Robinson? Yes, I want them. It's, it's, it's a battle. And it, the problem, I think, with some of the England players is they are not fit because they're scared of what the Australians going to say back to them. They, they, are, they haven't got the... The Australians do not care. If you start more of words with them, they will give it 10 times more than you get. Darren, thanks for calling us. I mean, it's a, it's a point, and, and you can hear the frustration, can't you, Harmy? Yep. And this is kind of what we've been getting for the last couple of days. But can I just say one thing? Has that partnership towards the end of the day not just brought an England win back into the equation? Because this is an Australian team that was... They're not going to be resting easy tonight. That's one of the reasons they were so angry with that Ben Duckett decision. I can't wait to hear what they're going to say in the press conferences. But majority of this side played at Headingley in 2019. Mm. And whilst Ben Stokes is at the crease, they're not going to rest, are they? No, I mean, and, and John, I've, I've, all, I've said being consistent, whether it's you know, on the following on podcast feed or you know, after day's play or you know, on the Cricket Collective, while Ben Stokes is still in the game for England, England will always have a chance because Ben Stokes always feels as though wherever situation he's in, he can win. 
And I think, you know, it's still a long shot, still a long way to go, and it will take a, probably a bigger effort, and it will be a bigger effort than what he would in, in 2019 at Headingley. But while he's still there, and we've got a huge fortune at the end there, but I agree with what Darren's just saying there. You know, not not to the point where he needs to be standing on the side of the field. I think that's a football a football manager sort of thing, and it's an England captain. But I think there is, I think, a bit like what Will McPherson was saying, you know, being a little bit more humble if they don't win. But I think this team has now got a, a protective barrier around itself. And I think sometimes that protective barrier on the inside is a little bit disillusioned. Um, it's disillusioned. It's just, um, it really does feel as though they see the game completely different to the outside world. Uh, we've had some interaction from uh, from people on social media. Um, Gold Cannon says he may have, this is in regard to the Mitchell Stark uh, drop essentially uh, to Ben Duckett uh, he may have had the ball in his hand but you cannot apply downward pressure on it to the ground which he clearly did although I'd say he did have control of it 100% that was from Gold Cannon Soccer uh, at Josh Marlon says 100% out what a joke um, Keith and away says not out and uh, Andy Gill says he clearly grasped it. What's the argument here? I think the argument, uh, whether we agree with it or not, is going gonna, is gonna to continue, isn't it? And it'll be mm. very interesting to see the Australian newspapers take on this uh, when they, uh, they start appearing in the next couple of hours. Absolutely. And I think what, what I would say with that is, I think his fingers are underneath the ball at, when, he's, when his hand hits the ground. His fingers are underneath the ball. I think it's his body's movement that makes the ball go along, you know, the ball, you know, hit the turf. Now, for me, he he was in control of the ball. He just wasn't in control of his body movement. Um, is that the same? Yeah, you could possibly say the same. You could say that. I think we're possibly looking at it through England eyes and not through cricket eyes. I think if we're watching a domestic cricket match and we're not watching England against Australia, I think we'd be in the rules of the game, the laws of the game, that fingers underneath the ball or in control of the ball. I think you'd say that, you know what, 50-50, I would say it's more than that. I think I would be, I'd be expecting that to be given out. Okay, well, if you're listening to yesterday's show, you probably would have heard um, that rant that has been on social media as well. Talk Sports' Andy Jacobs uh, talking about England's batting performance on day two. Uh, well, he was here today, was Andy, came up to visit me in the box as well. And after another disappointing display, or certainly it was at that point when he came up here, uh, we, uh, we asked Sam Eller to find out whether he calmed down at all let's find out i did think harry brooks shot was the worst shot i've ever seen in test match history it was so brainless the way england played on thursday when i was no when was i on air on wednesday when it started yeah and i sort of lost it quite a bit and paul was looking at me said i'm worried about you (laughs) and then by the end of the day he sends me a text saying no you were right yeah you know it was just so poor and it would be very important to come out of this game with a draw you know, yeah, it'd be great if England could win it, mad and probable, baseball victory, that would be wonderful. But that's very unlikely. So what would be a lot better, if they start bowling it in the middle of the pitch, just ignore it. Because they've heard bowler down, they can't really vary it. What are they going to do? They need to take 10 wickets. But if you just play into their hands, you know what England are going to do. They'll never do that. They're just going to play into their hands. I don't know if, if you've noticed that. I don't know if any, they talked about this on commentary or anything. It seems very hard to hit a six here at Lords. Yeah. I don't know whether it's the slowness of the pitch, the ball, whatever it is. But no one seems to be able to clear the ropes. Yeah. On telly, they showed KP at the Oval in 2005 when they tried to... He was whacking it over the boundary. So I don't know. People might have a look at that. 
and that was to go back to your original point that was what made it even more annoying was that literally when the wickets kept falling to the short ball it was just after Nathan Lyon literally hobbled off the pitch you then get through this short ball barrage and what do they do they keep playing into their the, 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 the Aussie bowlers were almost laughing weren't they, they as were, it was happening they were laughing at us they were actually physically laughing at us so though my rants have been ranty your rants true. have been quite ranty I yeah. think everybody's rants yeah. because it's just it's frustrating because I don't feel that there's much between the two teams mm. that we could have done without the injuries and and if it is going to become a pace barrage of bumpers, then we need wood, and we would have loved to have an archer. But Tung has done well, very well. Yeah, you see, probably the pick of the bowlers, no? Yeah, and Robinson pretty good after lunch, I thought. So, yeah, it's look, it's always fun to be here. The atmosphere is very different to Edgbaston, isn't yeah. it? You know, one bloke shouted in the stand, everybody looked around, how <laughs> dare you? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. are you doing? <laughs> Andy Jacobs, there, speaker with Sam Ellard. Um, what was your thoughts then, Harmy, about the, the, the England bowlers today? How did you feel they went? Uh, I thought they went well. Look, they, they were on a hiding to nothing. They really were on a hiding to nothing. They were so far behind the game. Largely down to the fact that they didn't bowl very well in, in the conditions which probably should have suited them. Um, and I think they're, they're paying the I think they're paying the price for that. They're paying the price for not getting enough runs in the first innings. And they're paying the price for when the glooms around England probably should have, should have bowled better. Uh but when you look at it, in the grand scheme of things, they had a plan. 98% of the balls were short in that middle session. Um, and they, they, they got England back into a, what I thought was still a, a mammoth total. 371, anything over 260. I know we're playing a different game now, but I thought that I don't think any, I don't even think England would have chased 260 on this. I thought, uh, so from that point of view, I think England have got some really scratching head moments coming up between the, between the test matches because if they are going to play on these wickets, and I can't believe that England have asked for these wickets, if they are going to play on these wickets, then Jimmy Anderson's out of the game. He's out of it now, and I'm and and, and I've I've never been wanting ever to be in a position to talk about Jimmy Anderson in a negative negative way. But if we are going to go with this plan, what's the point of picking Jimmy? And that for me sounds ridiculous, and I and I I still think it is ridiculous even contemplating not going into a Test match without Jimmy Anderson. But if we are going down the short ball route, what's the point of having Jimmy in the team? Because it's it, it's just no it's not suiting them at all we're asking a 40 year old to bowl in the middle of the pitch with seven nearly 700 test wickets uh, that would be you know, it'd be like asking Joe Root about left-handed it really would so I think we've got some some really head-scratching moment thinking to do between the end of tomorrow and Thursday when we have to pick a team to make sure that we're back in the series what did you think when you saw Nathan Lyon hobbling down those steps to walk out with a lead in excess of 350 and Nathan Lyons coming out to bat. Yeah, character. Character. I saw a man... But should he have been, should, should been allowed to? In No, I think he should have been should the captain to. Should the captain have said, no, I'm going to declare? Probably, but there's a few things in this. Mitchell Stark can clear the rope. If it was Josh Ears of Wood, I don't think I don't think Nathan Lyon comes out. Mitchell Stark can be destructive. He can clear the rope. The one thing I've I've heard a lot of to and fro and what uh, the whys and wherefores about whether he should have come out or he shouldn't have come out, especially when he especially when he hobbled for that one when he wasn't he expecting it to go for six, which was great feeling by Rian Ahmed. But the biggest thing for me is Nathan Lyon stood out there for 25 minutes. 
which meant every England player was looking at that balcony. Is he going to declare or is he not going to declare because he's man's hobbling? But as they were looking at the ba- at the captain, uh, sorry, the opposition captain on the, on the balcony, they were also looking at the scoreboard and the lead said 365, 366. For another 20 more, 20 more minutes, England's players were looking at a scoreboard, trying to get themselves processed when they were going to have to de- come on the field and try and get that big score. So for me, Nathan Lyon's never going to, he wasn't never going to play any more part in this series. Is he going to, is it going to make it worse? Probably but he's out the series anyway. If it was me, I would have I would have wanted to come out and and be part of it because I want to show character. Um something that I don't think, you know, the England players have, have shown a great deal of when it comes to this series so far. So because of that, he has basically come out for 25 minutes, got 15 more runs and basically made England players look at the scoreboard and see that mammoth total for that little bit longer which keeps putting the pressure and you know, especially when they were hitting fours and everybody's laughing at them, they were laughing at England as well. So that for me is that for me was a positive on why Nathan Lyon came out. Harmy, uh, while we wait for uh, Jared Kimber to join us, uh, looking back at the day's uh, play today, it was actually exceptional fast bowling at the start of England's second innings, wasn't it? I mean, Mitchell Stark, we know he can be a little bit wayward at times. And Jared actually wrote a, a fascinating article on him. His, his Red Bull stats actually do, do not stack up alongside some of the uh, the greats uh, of the game who are currently playing. But uh, you could have fooled me watching him in, in action tonight. And then, of course, or this afternoon, and then, of course, Pat Cummins uh, showing why he was the most feared bowler. Uh, when the question was asked of the top six or seven English batters, who is the bowler you are most fearing facing? They all said Pat Cummins, and we saw why today. Absolutely. For me, I said at the start of the start of the Ashes that if England can get on top of Pat Cummins, it's more captaincy, but he's going to have to play six test matches in seven weeks. Can he do it? Has he got the mental side of it? Has he got the physical side of it? Well, the answer's been quite positive because for me, he's the best. You know, forget being, you know, one-day bowler, test bowler, for me, he's the best seam bowler in world cricket in all formats. I just think the way he hits the deck hard, his ability to change length and take the ball back onto off stump, um, asking questions at a good pace with a you know a fantastic wrist position. I'd encourage any young, any bowling coach to teach young kids, this is a, what a wrist position um, Pat Cummins has got. And the, the deliveries that he got, um, that he that he got Brook out with the delivery he got Brook out with. Brook's waiting for the quick you know, the quick bouncer. He's been told by the world that he's going to get short ball after short ball after short ball. And Andy Jacobs saying it's the worst you know, dismissal in, in in Test cricket he's ever seen. You know, Harry Brook sitting back waiting for that short ball, and Pat Cummins at the top of off stump, which was with an absolute beauty of a delivery. So Stark, it's a fun of the fair with Mitchell Stark. You know, you. Mitchell Johnson was a bit similar. Yeah, I can say I was not too dissimilar myself that you get one you know, wide of off stump, you throw one down leg side, but you've got wicket-taking deliveries in you. And we've seen he got a little bit of luck with a, claw, a crawly one. But the one that got Pope, yes, you could say that his head fall, fell over, but that ball got through the gap perfectly. Late swing, it was an, it was an absolute beauty. So the three, three of the four dismissals tonight weren't done by anything from a shot selection or shot execution point of view it was done by world class bowling OK Jared Kimber's here let's wait for uh, hear from Nathan Lyon he's just been speaking in the press conference following day four he had this to say about his calf injury 
How's the calf injury? Good question. Um, I've got a decent tear in my right calf. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty obvious about that, I guess. Um, regarding the series, I'm sitting down with the, our medical team tomorrow um, and we'll have a chat about that. Um, but yeah, right now, it's pretty pretty shattering, um, pretty gutted, gutted and pretty speechless, if I'm being honest. Um, so, But saying that, I've got a lot of confidence in that change room and just thrilled to be a part of this team. Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's that's pretty full on, um, and real shame for him. Obviously, Gerald Kimber's with us. Um, oh, t- Todd Murphy. I mean, you, you give us an idea of of the bowler is certainly going to be coming in at Headingley, and and in all likelihood will be playing the remainder of the Test. Although Nathan himself hasn't ruled out a, a Steve Waugh style, <laughs> you know, a resurrection. But uh, tell us a little bit about Todd Murphy. Yeah, he's the best spinner I've seen uh, since Nathan Lyon uh, in Australia. He's uh, he's the sort of bowler who should be able to bowl in all conditions, not just be someone who's very good in Asia, although we obviously saw he bowled brilliantly in India at times. He's a very clever player, very young, though. Uh, he'll be tested by India. Uh, by India. Who, who's this team? England. He'll be tested by England coming at him uh, just because he's not used to that kind of cricket, although he's played a little bit in T20, of course. But he's not very experienced, but... There are people who thought he bowled so well in India, he might even uh, overtake Lyon. But Lyon's so good in so many different places that Australia was never going to push him aside. I can't think of a team in the world that has a better understudy who's almost identical as a spinner uh, than uh, than Todd Murphy for Nathan Lyon. The only other one would be Akshar Patel and Ravijadeja. And that went pretty well against England. What about Raheem Cornwall? Raheem Cornwall's great. There, There's no replacing him. Um, catch or no catch? Did Australia have right to feel grieved that that Mitchell Stark catch was not given today? Uh, it happened right in front of me because I was d- down on that side of the box. And as he took the catch, I was like, he's put that on the ground. Um, so, yeah, straight away I thought that w- it should have been not out. What I actually thought would happen is he, I thought Duckett was going to get off the field and they weren't going to check it. So well done to Maria Erasmus for noticing it because I don't think everyone else picked it up. I don't know how, how everyone was going on the commentary, but, you know, certainly uh, from what I saw, most people didn't seem to pick it up. But I saw straight away he just put the ball on the ground. And, look, it, it, it's a weird one because he was in control of his body at that stage, but I think he definitely put the ball on the ground to steady himself. And if that's the case, then it should have been not out. Oh, Jared, I thought it was a catch. I thought it was out. I thought as he as he hit the ground, his fingers are under the ball, and his yep. body movement is out of control, and which made the ball go on the ground. So I yeah. thought it was harsh. If your body movement's out of control, Harmy, that means it's uh, not out though. That, that's what that's what Erasmus used to give it not out. He said that Stark wasn't in control of his body at that so, time. So what's the difference between the the ones with Smith and and Cameron Green? Well, so the Smith one, for instance, I. I I think that's a, a fair one. But a lot of that also comes down to the camera angles. The other thing with Stark is because it happened on the boundary, we don't have all the different angles. It was completely... There's, there's no arguing that the ball was smothered on the ground, yeah. right? And I, that's different to the Cameron Green one in the World Test Championship. The Smith one, I wasn't sure that was out either. <laughs> At the time, if we're being honest, I wasn't 100% sure. But that, you take... The, the interesting thing is, if this, if under the old rules, I wonder if this would have been given out or not out because it would have been given out as a soft signal on the field, Harmy. Um, yeah, so we're, we're we're now asking we're now asking people to have a look if there are blades of gla- grass and everything else, and it becomes a lot even more like VAR than it was beforehand. But it, what it also does is it, it it just hides away from what a shocking shot it was. Oh, it was. Did you know what? I was about to tweet this, but I I thought I'd wait for 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 that. It was a remarkable catch because I was basically in the same line that Mitchell Stark was on as that edge came, 
And I think he must have done exactly what I did. We both looked to the offside, and then he had to recalibrate and go in. Because if you're fielding it at, um, at fine leg, you're not expecting someone who's hitting a cut shot to hit it to you, are you, Army? I mean, it's ridiculous that it even got down to him. Yeah, and it was. I, I couldn't believe it, it got to it got to fine leg and where it got. But just a word, Jared, on on the quick bowlers. You've wrote a lot of pieces on on fast bowling. There's been a lot said in this test series about the bouncer and especially in this this game 98 percent of the deliveries in that middle session were, were <laughs> short balls but pitch up balls balls of you know high quality and bowlers of high quality um i said city as a, a former fast bowler and even though it was australia i was in i was i was in awe of them three wickets later on tonight yeah, I mean, the Mitchell Stark ball, I, I wonder, Harmy, where that would have gone if it hadn't swung. <laughs> like, it was going so wide out of his hand and then just swung back so massively. I, I'm not sure how you play that. But I think that the, the Pat Cummins ball, that's the Pat Cummins ball that is going to define him, right? You know, every, every bowler has a ball that defines, you know, how they get wickets. And, you know, it, it might be the big hooping outswinger for some bowlers or the short ball for you, someone like yourself that rears up. But for Pat Cummins, it's basically the ball where it looks like he's going to deliver a ball that's going hit the top of middle or leg stump and it hits the top of off stump and it's subtle so a lot of a lot of casual fans don't understand what he's doing but at 90 miles an hour I don't know how you consistently hit that ball and that's why he has the you know one of the best bowling averages in the history of the game uh, let's hear from Nathan Lyon who uh, was pictured last week um, on pitching duties with Jimmy Anderson at, uh, at an MLB game. Um, let's hear what he had to say about uh, what Jimmy Anderson said to him when he made his way out onto the field today. He asked me, am I stupid? Um, and I said yes, but uh, he, and I just said to him, after, may have to do you and go to 40. Um, he goes, oh, if you keep loving the game and keep trying to get better, there's no reason why you can't. So that was a nice little moment there with, with, with Jimmy. Um, as I said, I've got a lot of respect for what he's done um, and what he keeps doing for England and, and world cricket. He's an incredible role model for so many people around the world. Uh, Nathan Lyon speaking about Jimmy Anderson there. Jared, there is a, a, a murmuring, murmuring of a conversation that's becoming louder and louder and it was taking place, especially when England essentially spent three hours bowling the short ball. <laughs> You know, what now for Jimmy? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, if this is, they've decided that this is the way that they're going to bowl. They got him to bowl, what, about two overs of it, I think? And, you know, it looked like me bowling it, right? It's not what Jimmy Anderson's supposed to be doing. And, you know, especially at his age, um, you know, and it looked a little bit ridiculous. How does he fit in? The problem for England is if this is the only way they look like they can get consistent wickets against Australia... Uh, I'm not sure they have enough bowlers who can actually do this anyway. And these guys are going to be absolutely exhausted. Uh, here's a question for you, Harmony. If you bowl a six-over spell, you're tired at the end. If you bowl a six-over spell of just bounces, it's more like a nine or a ten-over spell, surely. Absolutely, 100%. And if you get wick, the, the problem you've got with that as well, Jared, to just go that little bit further, is if the batter's taking you on, that six-over spell of a bouncer, you actually feel refreshed. You feel more rejuvenated. You mm. feel as though if he's taking me on, I'm in a contest. So you, you're up for it. You keep going, and it, it gives you natural energy. If you bowl six overs of bouncers, and it's just looping like it was to Cameron Green and, and Carey, which I didn't understand what they were trying to do there by just ducking and bobbing and weaving, that makes it just take everything out of you from a six-over point of view. So I'm with you. I don't think England have got the bowlers to bowl that way. I look at Jimmy Anderson and think if England are going to bowl bouncers, that's fine. 
but you're going to have a period when Jimmy Anderson bowls, you need two slips of gully. The reason why he's got 700, nearly 700 test wickets, because his skill levels are ridiculous. And that should never, ever change on any given surface. So I think there's some interesting decision-making from an England point of view with Anderson, Broad and Robinson going into Henley. Yeah. Oh, I, I think the bigger question is, is now are we at a point bit like what happened to baseball with home runs and a bit like what happens to basketball with three-point shots, whether the analytics just tells you that bowling bounces is so lucrative if people are going to play these these shots the way they do, that there's no point actually bowling length for big parts of the game. So we're going to have around the world bowlers bowling about 20, 25 overs of normal seam and then about 40 or you know 50 overs of short pitch bowling. We know Neil Wagner's done it. This now has the fourth most bounces of any test match ever. We still have a day to go, so I'm pr- we're pretty sure we're going to do that. Um, you know, we talk about McCullum and all the things McCullum done. We forgot that the other thing that McCullum did in New Zealand was he was the person who let Neil Wagner bowl all those bounces. And now there's now he's getting everyone to do it. And there's also the one other thing I would say is that because bowlers are so accurate with their bounces now that they can get away with it. It's actually hard to bowl that many bounces without going over shoulder height regularly. Um, and they managed to do that fairly consistently both sides. I know there was a couple of wides and, and you know, a couple of no balls at times at, um, out there, but they were very accurate. And I wouldn't say, I, I'll ask you, John, I wouldn't say it was the most entertaining cricket we have seen well, watching 78-mile-an-hour right. shuttlecock bounces. No, and, and this is the problem, isn't it? Because it's so well and good. Oh, here's Neil Wagner after, you know, 28 overs of uh, of uh, Trent Bolt or Tim Southey bowling, you know, s- swing or seam, left arm or right arm, and, you know, maybe uh, five or six overs of uh, of whatever. But if you're sitting there as a punter... Um, not you know in and you're watching three hours essentially which is what the what the fans had to do today of 80 to 85 mile an hour right arm sh- short pitch bowling mm. and essentially you are removing 60 percent of the what Moser dismissal and 60 to 70 percent of the shot selection then yeah. that that is a massive detraction from the spectacle. Well, it's why we got. It's why we changed the LBW law in the fifties, and it's why we changed the fielding law also in the fifties. Is because you know things that medium paces and spin bowlers were doing. They were chucking the ball down the leg side and bowling to these leg side dominant fields. And basically, what the lawmakers said at that time is, well, wait a minute, we now don't have any offside play. We now have bowlers just bowling one way, and this is no longer entertaining. I don't know if we're there yet, but the fact is that. If England and Australia have come across this method against each other, how many other teams will it be tried against? And if it becomes a fairly a, a, a common thing, look, there are going to be days when it's exciting because there are days when bowling short and fast is exciting. This was not one of those days. No, and you usually bowl short and fast when the pitch is fast as well, Sur- yeah. not Surface, when it's yeah. slow. But th- that in itself is also something to bear in mind because Edgbaston, Jimmy Anderson described that as his kryptonite. I can't say... I mean, the Lord's track's been pretty... It's, it's very rarely is it particularly good. Mm. I mean, you know, so Headingley, you'd ass- hope would offer a little bit more, wouldn't it? Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, this again, is this not the kind of pitch that England wanted, though? I mean, we're so confused about what they want at the moment. But yeah. this is the one thing I would say to you, Harmy, is they said that they wanted to entertain. They've been talking about entertaining, entertaining, entertaining. That was drudgery watching the 78-mile-an-hour bounces. You can't say that they were entertaining us then. Yeah, you can't entertain on a, if the surface is slow and you've only got 78, 80-mile-an-hour bowlers. We've seen the average speeds of the 
of the bowlers in this contest. And I think it was it was Stark at 89, 88-89. Cummins not far behind. Then Tung just about 86. Hazelwood a little drop off. And then you've seen, I think it was Broad Anderson in and around 82 to 80. And then Ollie Robinson was bowling at 87. His average was 77 miles per hour. So if you've got a bowling attack like that, you need something. But if you had a bouncy surface, I think it would be a lot easier to face. The, the short ball, uh, it, it, yeah. that pierce on, on them surfaces. So I think it'll be different. It'll be different at Headingley. Um, it'll be interesting to see where where England go. Do England do England leave Anderson out at Headingley and go, right, we, we if we win at Headingley, we go to Old Trafford where Jimmy Anderson's got an end named after him and hopefully Jimmy can go and have a quiet word with the groundsman and get something that will really suit England's bowling because at this minute in time, these surfaces are not suiting England's bowling at all. Uh, Jared, thank you very much for your time. Um, you'll be back at some point, if not tomorrow. Uh, you will be uh, covering the Leeds test, so uh, we'll be part of the programme throughout that as well. Um, let's hear uh, a little bit more from Nathan Lyon, who's just been speaking, talking about why it was he decided to come out and back. I've been having conversations since since it happened with, with our medical team, and um, I, I knew the risks... Um, but the way I look at it, as I said before, I'll do anything for this team. Um, and you never know how how big of a 15-run partnership can be in an Ashes series. Um, so, yes, I'm proud of myself for going out there and doing that. But if it was tomorrow, I'd do it again. And I'd do it again and again and again. Because I know I love this team. I love playing cricket for Australia. And if I can keep playing my role and help out my teammates here and there, I'll do that. So. How did you think, uh, apart from the, uh, the the shot selection at the end, and he was slightly fortunate, wasn't he? He was dropped on four by Green, and uh, he, uh, well, I don't know if it's unfortunate to overturn an incorrect LBW decision. I suppose he could have walked off. But essentially, uh, Duckett ended the day 50. Uh, he hit 98 in the first innings. There was uh, quite a lot of question marks about how he would go at the start of this series uh, with his, uh, you know, penchant for essentially trying to hit absolutely anything that isn't a wide. So, um you know, he's, he's there at the, at the close of play. He's batting with his captain. I, I doubt that's happened too many times, actually. So uh, how did you think Duckett went today? I thought he batted really well. I, I did. I thought he batted nicely. I thought he was he was a little bit more compact than he normally is from outside that off stump where he chased two, you know, two wide ones in at Edge Baston. Um, I thought he batted beautifully in the first inning, showed some good character, some good fight, and I thought his balance was, was very, very good. The one that he, he, he got given out LBW on was probably one of the only times he... He, whether it was the slope falling down the hill or what, he he just lost his balance at a touch and his bat came across his body. So that's why he didn't hit it with a full face of the bat. That's why he missed it. And he, as the ball went past the bat and hit the pad, his bat, his bat was at a sort of three-quarter angle. Um, that is normally when a batsman is out of out of form or out of balance, out of sync. But a lot of the times, it, you tell how good a batsman form or balance is when he's hitting the ball down the ground and there was a few times he punched the ball back past the uh, the Australian bowlers and for me I thought he looked he looked very very in in good order that he didn't need to play that shot but how many times have we said that John about the England batters where you go they're going well going nicely putting England oh my word what has he done and we've we've seen that a few times and that was what he did when you know, he was fortunate that Mitchell Stark did ground the ball. So that will give him a huge amount of confidence going into tomorrow. And like I said, if he can just just hang on to the captain's shirt tails for a little bit, 
see if they can get through that first session. And you know, said many times before, while Ben Stokes is there, England will always and Ben will always feel as though he's got a chance. The one thing about Ben Duckett is at this minute in time, he's in good touch and he's good touch at scoring. So while they're both they're both there, I think I don't think I still don't think England have got a chance of winning this game. But they can put pressure on Australia, and I think there's a big message here that tomorrow you have to take the game deep. Can you take the game as deep as you possibly can? Because no matter what the bowling lineups look like at Headingley, England have finished bowling. Australia have got a full day to go, and then if then has a knock-on effect, and they lose the toss and they have to they have to bowl all day on Thursday as well, that could be that could be a big psychological shift when you think the game is about is going to have to be bowling bouncer after bouncer after bouncer. So there is a bigger there is a little game inside of a a bigger game, and what happens tomorrow about keeping the bowlers out there and putting pressure on them to you know, on their bodies. Um, can't believe I'm quite going to say this, but uh, let's hear from uh, uh, Andrei Shevchenko, eh? I mean, why not? Uh, ahead of the <laughs> game for Ukraine at Stamford Bridge uh, this week, uh, on Saturday 5th of August, not this weekend at all, Saturday 5th of August, uh, a game dedicated to help raise funds and awareness for the current situation in Ukraine. And uh, here he is speaking to Ollie, TalkSport's Ollie Klink um, about his love for the ashes of all things. I have a couple good friends who played cricket who still have uh, playing cricket and uh, I'm very interested in different sport and cricket one of the game who is very interesting for me because it's game of the quality and um, it's nice to see you know good performance from the team also uh, good performance from individual players and I was enjoy. I've got to ask though who were you supporting you England or Australia? I was watching I'm supporting England Good lads. Yeah. Get, him a, a get him a shirt, eh? Get him <laughs> what, a shirt. I mean, I can't a... believe he was here at Lawns watching, uh, watching. Have you ever. I mean, what's the strangest sport you've ever seen overseas, if oh, anything? Mm-hmm. I mean, cricket must be pretty strange for uh, for someone from Ukraine. To be honest, cricket's pretty strange for anyone. It uh, is, yeah. Outside is, of the Commonwealth. He is a, he is a, a, a big cricket fan. I've, I've had the fortune to be in his company a few times, and he's a great man. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, brilliant man. I spent a bit of time with him in Scotland at Loch Lomond and golfing trip last year, and his love for cricket's huge. He, he, I think he lived next to KP, and I think he plays golf with KP and one or two others. I think oh. Crawley and, and Ollie Pope, I think, down in that sort of Wentworth area, he plays, he plays a lot of golf with some of the players, and he... He is a, just a what a humble, lovely human being for somebody who has been so good at his sport. You know, he's you know, a bit goal, like you, homie. Uh, oh no, this guy is ridiculous from the footballing world. What a player! What a character! What a man! Well, it's the, uh, the time I spoke to him last last year. He talked about the Ukraine and what's happening over there. Um, it was a lump in throat moment. Not only because I was standing in front of a superstar, but actually what he was saying as well. So it was great to see him, and it's obviously good to hear him as well. Fantastic. Uh, let's hear from uh, the coach, England coach, Marcus Trescothic, looking ahead to day five here at Lords. Of course, that's where we're going to be sitting at the moment, is that thinking, right, there's an opportunity still to win the game. And um, we've seen many games over the years that have uh, drawn out in, the, in that conclusion and, and we come out on top. So um, all, what I do know is that, you know, we've got some key players still to bat and obviously a couple of key men still in the crease. Uh, and the team is a positive team who sees the opportunities to you know, to do things special and do things slightly different. Um, so there's no doubt that they'll be coming in tomorrow, you know, trying to do their best to, to make sure that happens. 
Yeah, well, it was always going to be another England coach day, wasn't it? But, you know, they talk about batting to come. Well, there's Johnny Bairstow to come. And, uh, you know, got a lot of love for Johnny Bairstow, but I could have done with another couple, couldn't they? Oh, they could have. No, forget what's to come. Forget, but that's just finished me off that. Marcus Triscothic coming out and, and speaking. This team's had a lot to say over the course of the last 12 months, rightly so, because they've been brilliant. And they've had a lot to say between two test matches and they're potentially going to go 2-0 down. I feel like Andy Jacobs here, they sent a spin bowling coach out who didn't, who, who didn't have a, a player a, a, to coach in the game last night after a bad day. And they've sent a batting coach out tonight. Where are the senior players in this? Does this tell you a lot about where this team is? It really, it really annoyed me that somebody hasn't stood up and be counted and took responsibility from a team to walk out and tell you what's happening. I'm sorry, that's that that that's just finished me off. Forget, you know, I, I want England to win. I hope to get put up a good fight tomorrow, but you can't say what you're saying and then don't stand up and be counted. I, mate, we should have started with that, shouldn't we? We no, were doing a completely different show, we didn't but we've know run, we, we didn't we've know run he, out of time. We didn't know he was going to speak. Don't worry, I think tomorrow it might be an, an angry one as well. Uh, if you're only just joining us, you just missed, oh, you've missed any of the show, it will be available via the following on podcast feed very, very shortly. Check it out. Uh, but for now, that's it. You've been listening to the following on podcast from TalkSport. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast. Now available via the free TalkSport app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, for more cricket content, you can listen to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 every Tuesday evening as Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winners Steve Harmison debate the biggest stories with a host of big names. And if you want to send us a question to a member of the TalkSport team, you can tweet us at cricket underscore TS and we'll answer your question on the next podcast. But for now, you've been listening to Following On. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.